Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. The men's ashes are nearly here. Battle is due to commence between England and Australia, the world's oldest cricketing rivals, later this week at Edgbaston on June the 16th. England and Australia will be playing a five-match series in less than seven weeks. The Paddock and the Pavilion will be hosting their own three-match series with two Englishmen and one Australian over the next two days. Rick McCosker, Dennis Amis and Richard Ellison will be recalling their memories of the Ashes, as well as giving their thoughts on this much-anticipated test series. I also tested their memory with a quiz about their own Ashes career. Opening the series, as he did for Australia, is Rick McCosker. Rick was a regular for his country during the 1970s in a powerful side which included the Chapel brothers, Ian and Greg, Rodney Marsh, Dennis Lilly and Jeff Thompson. Let's hear Rick's memories of the Ashes. Hello, Rick. Thanks for joining me as part of our Memories of the Ashes series. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, pleasure. Pleasure to be with you. Well, we're going to look back at your Ashes career, focus on a few test matches and look ahead to this summer's much-anticipated Ashes series. But I'd like to start with can you recall your first Ashes memory? I can recall it quite clearly, actually, even though I was only about seven or eight years old. Um, but first of all, we used to play um, test matches in their backyard. We're, at this point in time, we were living on farm, sheep farm, and we used to play, myself and my brother used to play test matches, and uh, we used to toss the bat, and whoever won the toss was Australia, and whoever lost was England, of course. Um, that's just the way we we were growing up. But more importantly, I remember when the ashes were on, uh, it was always at night time um, when the ashes were in England. Um, it was night time in Australia. And it was the middle of winter and freezing cold uh, at our farm. So mum and dad would um, uh, listen to... Um, the, the uh, radio broadcast um, with an old battery uh, wireless in the kitchen of our farmhouse with the uh, fire roaring away it was the only way you could uh, keep warm. So my brother and I were only, I was about eight, he was about seven. And if 
if we behaved ourselves, we could stay up at least until lunchtime. So that was the, the first session, which would finish around about either 10 o'clock or 10.30 p.m. our time. So lunchtime we had to, we were shoved off to bed. But um, mum and dad used to uh, have a, a mattress down on the floor of the kitchen and would on and off be watching or li- listening to the to the, the test match all the way through. So, yeah, so it was there. It was in our uh, was in our home, and uh, so that was that was my first memories of it. So, what what series would that have been then? When you were about, seven oh, I couldn't tell you. Sometime in the fifties. Um, so, yeah, it would have been mid fifties. Sometime I'm not sure what what the series was. I can't remember much about it except. Uh, listening to this radio and um, and all the static on the radio and and just the sound effects, which I found out later, um, wasn't the actual ball hitting the battle, <laughs> as we found out. Uh, Alan McGilvray and Johnny Moyes in the studio making these noises. But anyway, it sounded good. When you played your first test match, was that the first test match you'd seen live? No, actually... I went one day to a Sydney test, the SCG. Uh, again, it was back in the uh, in the early sixties. Uh, I was still was still living in uh, my hometown at that stage, but I had come down to Sydney uh, to play tennis at White City, and uh, a friend of uh, our families took me out to um, to the SCG for one day of the um, the, the SCG test. Australia were batting. Um, Simpson and Laurie were opening. I'm pretty sure it was Simpson and Laurie. I think Simpson got 90. But um, I was a bit disappointed because my hero at that stage was Norman O'Neill. And I wanted him to um, to score a lot of runs that day. But I think he only got about 20 or 30 or something and he got out, which was a bit disappointing. But uh, the, only, the only Englishman that I can remember seeing was the Reverend David Shepherd, he used to cop a little bit of stick from the um, from the crowd on the hill. Um, so, but I remember him, but I don't remember too much about uh, any many of the other English players. Because you live quite away from Sydney on the farm. Yeah, it was about um, well, it, it's about six hundred kilometres, so that's a fair way. Moving ahead to your test debut, which was the fourth test of the 1974-75 series. Australia were leading the series 2-0. England's batsmen were taking a battering from Jeff Thompson and Dennis Lilly. Can you recall when you got the call up? Was it a telephone call? Did you see it on the television to be selected? Uh, no, it wasn't. I was actually playing a uh, a grade, uh, grade game for my club in Sydney. And... Um, one of the opposition was uh, a guy called John Benno, Richie's brother. We were actually playing against him, but he was uh, he was a journalist, and John had got the news, and so uh, he was the first to tell me. I think we might have gone off the field at afternoon two or something like that, and I think he told me then. So that's when I heard. Well, you made your debut on the fourth of January, nineteen seventy-five. Australia. 11.30. 30. 11.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, you remember it well. Uh, oh, very well, yeah. What did it mean then to be selected for Australia on your test uh, against England? 
Yeah. yeah look, it was absolutely um, the most wonderful thing I could have imagined in my cricket career because having been brought up um, with um, being well aware of the Ashes, um, my, my mother was English and um, she'd come out to Australia after the war. And uh, so I'd always been well aware of the rivalry between England and Australia. And uh, so um, to me, uh, playing for my country, but my first test being an Ashes test, and more importantly, it was on the Sydney Cricket Ground. So that's about absolutely best it could possibly have been. So I was pretty happy with that. Well, the game went well for you. I mean, I say Australia won the toss. You're opening with Ian Redpath and you score 80. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was just one of those days. Uh, I must uh, have often said um, when I've been asked a question about my first test, I often said I, I uh, high regard for the selectors because they selected me at exactly the right time. And um, I'd had a, a couple of pretty good seasons and I'd had a really good season leading up to that. And so I was. I had a lot of confidence and uh, the Sydney Quick Ground was my home ground, loved playing there. And uh, and I was in a, uh, a very good, uh, solid um, team that had been together for quite some time apart from, uh, from Molly Edwards, who unfortunately um, had been left out. And that, so that was my opportunity. So I was fortunate that everything went, went my way. It was a good batting wicket. Um, I was batting with two absolutely fantastic um, batsmen in Ian Redpath and Ian Chappell. And uh, that was the first time I'd obviously I'd batted with with both of those guys. But it was just wonderful to be up the other end to, that, to those guys. And, uh, and batting on the Sydney Creek ground, a full house. Um, Crowd because I was the new guy on the block on the in the team. Crowd was with me, and um, obviously against anything the the English team did. So that all helped, and uh, I, I I really had no idea how many runs I'd scored. I, I wasn't um, wasn't wasn't looking at the scoreboard. I you know, made a decision not to look at the scoreboard, and so I didn't know that I was I was eighty. Um, Played a bit of a rash shot um, off Tony Gregg and uh, was caught behind. So when I walked off and you know, I heard the crowd, and um, it was then that I re- you know, realised that realised this was combination of a dream, and uh, and I and I realised that this is fantastic, and I want more of this. Um, one game is not going to be enough. I want, um, you know, I want more. So that was that was the the feeling I had during that game. Well, you were playing probably for the best team in the world at the time. Did you did you yeah. feel that England they'd taken a battering in the first three games? Were were side under pressure? Yeah, yeah, they were. And obviously, their batsmen were under pressure, but they still had a good bowling attack. And um, so uh, that was so. Yeah, we still had to. Um, had to bat well and score runs, and uh, to uh, to allow our bowlers to to do their work. So, but when when I got into that that side, I knew that um, there was only one spot available to me, and that was to open the innings. Even though I hadn't done it since uh, well for many many years, but uh, when you had Ian Chapel at three, Greg Chapel at four, 
Ross Edwards at five and Doug Walters at six. That's a pretty good batting lineup. So I knew there was only one spot there for me. So I was quite happy with that. Yeah, it's a pretty good side when you've then got the, the bowling attack of uh, yeah. Thompson, Lily, yeah, Max Walker, Ashley Mallet. Uh, and uh, Rod Marsh's wicket. So it was good. It was a good all-round team. Well, you won that test by 171 runs. You then won, you went on to win the series 4-1. Uh, you then came on the 1975 tour of England. That must have been a thrill to be touring England as well. Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, I was yeah really excited about um, touring England. Um, firstly, because well, because I was going to England. Uh, secondly, because it was the very first um, limited over World Cup and we were involved in that first before we played the Ashes. But just to um, to play an Ashes series in England, um, that was that was wonderful. And uh, because um, I had a had an auntie that um, my mum's sister lived in, still lived in England. And when I had a, a day off or a game off, um, she would take me around and we'd do the tourist bit. So I got to see quite a bit of England. And so, uh, apart from the cricket, it was um, it was a wonderful tour. Well, you had time to do that in those days. They don't uh, tour about now, do they? No, they don't. Uh, we had generally had Sundays off um, because England would play their um, county one day games on Sunday League or whatever they called it. So we didn't have. Um, to, yeah, I mean, we used had Sunday off, but uh, then occasionally we'd get a game off, but. Um, it was just one of those in beautiful English summers that was hot and dry and m- most almost all of the wickets we played on were, were fa- fantastic batting wickets. The outfields were fast and uh, it was perfect um, to be an opening batsman. So couldn't have picked a better time. Well, you won the first test at Edgbaston by an innings. I'd like to focus a little bit on the second test which was at Lords, a, a game that myself my parents and my brother went to and uh, what was the feeling as an australian playing a lords test match uh yeah pretty special um, but uh i was a bit surprised actually at the conditions of the um of the um the members area the uh the players uh, facilities and the actual ground itself, because um, I didn't realise what such a big slope it had from one one side to the other. I didn't, hadn't realised that, but just to yeah, just to accept that you know this the traditional, this is the traditional part of uh, English cricket and Australian England uh, Ashes uh, to be at Lords. It was a great thrill, and uh, unfortunately, um, we we got um, caught on a bit of a damp wicket the first innings and um, <laughs> we didn't have a good start but and then we had to uh, fight on the last uh, on the last day to um, to save the match but it was um, yeah it was a good match and um, you know thoroughly enjoyed just being in the atmosphere of lords and um, I guess I'll always remember the the shock of the first morning going out to bat um, with Alan Turner and walking through the uh, the long room and uh, in front of all the members and uh, hearing the comments of the members, um, yeah, it was 
didn't give us a lot of encouragement, but I guess that was their idea. But it was just yeah, good experience and something that uh, I'll always remember. It was a high-scoring draw. You scored 29 in the first innings and 79 in the second innings. And so Tony Gregg, England's new captain, got 96. Yep. John Edridge, 175. Ross Edwards, 99 at Lords. Yeah. And Dennis Lilly yeah. got his highest ever test score of 73. Yeah, we were actually in trouble, I think, in was it the first innings? I think we were in trouble and uh, Ross got 99 and, and Dennis got 70-odd and they put on a partnership, a big partnership, which um, <clears throat> which helped us a great deal. I'm pretty sure that was in the first innings. Yeah, Australia 268 in the first innings, replying to England's 315. England had yeah. a new captain in Tony Gregg. Did that change the, the atmosphere and the approach of the England team? I think it did. Uh, didn't change anything as far as we're concerned, but it, uh, I we felt that yeah, this this was a there's a diff, different ap, um, attitude um, and aptitude within the Eng- England side, and uh, we thought they uh, were a little bit more positive, a bit more aggressive, um, and you uh, know uh, I think whether that was as a result of Tony being appointed captain or not, but um, having played few more test matches against him after that i'm pretty sure that was that was a bit of a uh, tony greg uh, ripple on effect and i think there was another a new member of the english side who did very well david Steele. um uh, i think I that, was that, his was debut. His that was his debut that was his debut yeah yep and he i think he had a good test as well you also on you've probably forgotten this i don't know whether you did think <laughs> You also had a streaker on the Monday of the yes. uh, the Lord's yep. Test. We did. That was the uh, the first streaker uh, on a, in a Test match that well, that we'd been aware of anyway. And uh, that guy uh, got got a lot of uh, press coverage, and uh, we all thought it was a great joke at the time and it was very funny. Um, but uh, after a while, after a few years, many more streakers. Um, it sort of lost its um, um, lost its humour after a while, but that guy was funny. Uh, he did he, he way the way that he um, leapfrogged over the the bale over the stumps, uh, being very careful to make sure that he cleared the cleared the bales. Um, otherwise, he might have been in trouble. Well, the next two tests were weren't without incident. Uh, the Headingley Test was as a was abandoned because of. Um, pitch vandalism and you were very close to your first ashes mm. century you finished up 95 not out at the close of day four that's right yep yeah. yeah look that that was interesting um that situation again because we had um, we were four down and we needed to score about another 200 runs to to uh, to win a big run chase on the last day so it was pretty evenly poised although the english press uh, had written us off I so said, there's no way that, um, that we could get those runs. Um, but uh, we felt confident. Um, you know, I think I was 95 and Doug Walters was, I think, about 28, not out, something like that, and batting really well. So we were confident we could, uh, you know, we could get the runs. Um, but it wasn't, wasn't to be. Um, and uh, we found out early next morning, um, Ian, Ian Chappell uh, had, got a, had a call um, from the umpires, and uh, he and Tony Gregg went down to the ground and saw the the state of the ground, state of the wicket, 
And um, so Ian came back and said, well, you know, we can go back to bed because there's going to be no more cricket. So, and that was that. But as it turned out, we would not have got a result anyway because about a quarter of an hour after play was due to start, started to rain and it rained for about the next couple of days. It didn't stop. So we wouldn't have got that last day in anyway. You did get your first test century, though, in the next test, a six-day test. I'd love to see a six-day test these days. They'd need three innings, I think. Uh, and you got a 127. That's right, yeah. Yeah, as I said before, uh, the weather and the wickets were just perfectly suited to uh, to batting and um, particularly opening the batting. And I was yeah, fortunate that... Um, it was again. It was my day. Um, had a long innings uh, with Ian. We, I think, um, Alan Turner got out in the second over. I think Ian was in on the second over, and we batted for the rest of the day. And that was great. I really enjoyed not only getting hundred myself, but batting in a double double century partnership with Ian. And uh, yeah, it was was thoroughly enjoyable. But I still remember being on 96 and Chris Old bowling um, a short one and um, I pulled it in front of square leg for four and, and, and Ian came up to me and he said, yeah, yeah. when the ball was halfway down the wicket, you had a big grin on your face. So, uh, yeah, we both knew that, um, you know, that was going to be four. So that got me to 100 and uh, it was a wonderful feeling. Two years later, you were back playing test cricket against England. Uh, I say the 75 series, Australia won 1-0. A backdrop to the the Packer uh, series. Um, 13 of the players had signed up to play for World Series cricket. A different uh, type of feel to that series. Uh, absolutely, Stephen. Yeah, it was, it was a different tour altogether for lots of reasons. Um, one main reason was we we didn't have a very experienced uh, team um there was three or four of the team that came in 75 didn't tour in 77 uh the the weather was atrocious uh, was cold wet very difficult to play uh, well from our point of view anyway um coming from a hot summer but um the specter of world series um um, once it once it uh, was made public, then yes, I think it did have a difference on how how the team played. Before before it was made public, um, no one within the Australian side knew who had been signed up, or yeah, you know, whether or yeah, who had been signed up, whether what was going to happen or anything it was all all done confidentially. So we didn't know who was signed and who hadn't. So it didn't really have much effect but i think afterwards all made public and uh, was made public who hadn't signed contracts uh i think that um that did make a bit of a difference um apart from the fact that we had a uh, an inexperienced team and we weren't apart from greg chapel um we didn't perform very well um we didn't have dennis lilly um so it was it, overall it was a very disappointing series yeah, England won the series 3 0. And uh, yeah. I'd like to take you forward now to your 
last test against England. Now, we're, we're talking about Ashes memories. And as far as the MCC are concerned, this is not an Ashes test match. But uh, World Series cricket and the cricket authorities had made up. And England toured Australia for the second consecutive year. The first, the year before, they'd beaten a packerless te- Australian side 5-1. But they returned the following winter, Australian summer, uh, played a test series of three matches and the MCC decided that the Ashes wouldn't be put up for for grabs as such. What was the feeling in the Australian camp when you were playing those matches? I can't remember too much about that, um, Stephen. I can just remember the uh, uh, a little bit about, yeah, the feeling that, uh, okay, we're playing test matches, but it's not the Ashes. Uh, it's not the same. And... Um, we couldn't under, couldn't really understand why, um, you know, why the Ashes weren't um, um, we weren't playing for the Ashes. So I can't remember a real lot about that uh, about that series. I only played a very small part in it. I think I only had had one match, and uh, I yeah wasn't uh, performing too well at that stage. So I didn't. It was. Partly because of the fact that it wasn't an Ashes series, um, I think well, certainly I found it difficult to get get involved in it, and uh, I know some of the other players did as well. Well, Australia won won the series three uh, nil. You played in the end fifteen tests against England. Of course, we've also got the uh, centenary tests which you played in in March seventy seven, which which also yeah. of course wasn't the Ashes weren't at stake. Uh, yeah. How do you look back at your test career against England? On the whole, reasonably satisfied, but um, certainly my first, certainly in 1975, that was um, that was my best year, um, and uh, uh, very happy with that. Um, not not happy with the tour in '77, even though I did get a 50 and, and a 70 at. Um, um, Trent Bridge, but um, fifty and a hundred in Trent Bridge, but didn't didn't score any t- too well other than that. Um, only only played uh, one, two, three, I think four Test matches at home against England. Um, so I'm like three in my first series in ninety in in seventy five, and then the last one. Uh, that was about the, all I played. So um, enjoyed playing against England. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it, especially the Ashes. Um, but probably on a um, performance point of view, probably about average, Not certainly not above average. How different was it playing against England compared to playing against other nations? Yeah, it was different, Stephen. There was a different feeling, but... Um, at the same time, you're still playing for your country, and that uh, was still a test match. So it was still very, very important. Uh, it just, for me, didn't quite have the same history, not the same tradition. Um, even though, yeah, you, yeah, you're still trying 100. percent That just wasn't quite the same, and I think it was mainly because of the history of uh, cricket between Australia and England, and particularly after having played um, that centenary test and getting a, a better understanding of um, 
of the history of the game uh, between our two countries and how much it meant. Um, and so I think uh, that, that was they were always the pinnacle, but um, still when you played against um, Pakistan, West Indies, New Zealand, you're always, you know, you're playing for your country, so it was still very important. Yeah, we mustn't forget that you were playing against the West Indies when you've got uh, Andy Roberts and Michael Holding steaming in. And Joel Garner and Colin Croft and, yeah, and about 25 other fast bowlers as well. Um, yeah, that was that was tough times, um, particularly for, uh, for opening batsmen. Uh, and most of the time we were playing without helmets as well. So um, that that wasn't a lot of fun, um, but it's just the way it was. You had to take the uh, the tough games as well as the easier ones. You played under two captains in your Ashes career, um, Ian Chappell and Greg Chappell. Yep. How did the two of them compare as captains? Uh, like chalk and cheese? Yeah, look, I've often been asked that question and... Uh, uh, I, I've found um, through experience that, and well, my experience anyway, that Ian was the best captain that I played under, um, and uh, a better captain than Greg for different for for reasons that are uh, not necessarily to do with their cricket, um, although they did play it a little bit differently, but just their, I guess their personalities, the way they they led a team. Um, the way they um, connected with every member of the team, and that was um, Ian's strength. Um, whereas Greg um, was a brilliant batsman and uh, was more of um, trying to lead by example and, um, and okay, I can do this, so I, you guys need to be able to do this as well. But we couldn't, couldn't do it the way he did. Ian at the, uh, uh, the other, uh, other end was um, always very, he was always challenging the opposition. He was a good, I think, a, a better reader of the game, understood the game itself, uh, understood his his players, understood the team, and he could read the game better. So all of those things considered, um, I, I, uh, I've always felt that he was uh, he was a better captain. In our second Memories of the Ashes series, I spoke to Dennis Amis, who played Ashes tests between 1968 and 1977. In this clip, the former England opener remembers the first test of the dramatic test series down under at Brisbane in November 1974. It was a bad start. You wanted to play them on, on a flat wicket, but they know where to play us in the first test match at Brisbane. They always do. And it's... Uh, it can be a really difficult wicket to play at, especially against two bowlers like that, two very fast bowlers and strong. You had to be strong as well to do what they did. Um, so life was uh, didn't get off to a great start in that series. Remember, you can follow The Paddock and The Pavilion on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Right, before we move on to just a chat about the 2023 Ashes series, uh, I was going to test your memory. I've got a few questions to ask about Rick McCosker's test career here. So I didn't put this in the brief, so you don't know. You didn't know this was coming. So uh, there's only I've only got you six questions. I, I, I'm pretty sure you'll get quite a few of these right. But um, 
No, oh, I don't know. Well, here it goes. Anyway, it's a quiz. It's, it's a, a quiz, quiz, is it? Yeah. Oh. On your on your test debut, who got five wickets for England in the first innings? Um, first innings was it Jeff Arnold? Jeff Arnold, that's correct. Yeah. Right. Second question: Which England player made his test debut in your last test at the MCG? 1980. I told you I couldn't remember much about that test match. <laughs> no, you said. <laughs> uh, I can give you a clue. No, it was a batsman. I, batsman, no, I... Mm, 1980. Uh, no, I wouldn't have a clue. That's Wayne Larkins. Okay, yeah. Right. You could be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've looked it up, so I am right. The third the third right. question. Who did... who? And I didn't know this answer myself until I looked it up. You'll know this one. Who did you open with at Headingley in 1975? At Headingley? Yeah. Um, in the test match, yeah. um, was R- Rod Marsh. Yeah, why was he opening? Um, I think because on that, for some reason or other, the selectors only selected two openers, myself and Alan Turner. And I think Alan was injured, um, and we had no other specialist opening batsman. So I think um, Rod, being Rod, uh, volunteered to um, to open. Well, you got that right. Uh, which batsman gave you your first Ashes catch? I'm thinking possibly Colin Cowdery. That's correct. Caught. Off Jeff Thompson's bowling. Yep, yeah. A poor Kipper. Um, he was copying it from, yeah, from head to toe. He was he was bruised, black and blue. Um, but he just he kept fighting away and kept fighting, and uh, it was it was amazing effort actually. Your final question is two answers. I'm I'm pretty sure you'll get. You've mentioned one of these players already. So the 1975 six day test at the Oval. Who opened the England bowling? The two bowlers. Yeah, well, Chris Old was one, and um, Old might have might have been Bob Willis. No, it's John Snow. John Snowy. Oh, yeah, I was going to say Snowy, because um, I think was that the only test that he played in that series. Ah, you, you, you're testing me. I haven't looked at. Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, we didn't play. I didn't because I remember not not playing very much against him. Because he didn't tour um, in '74-five. No, that's why we we didn't. We, but we thought we might have um, come up against him in 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 '75 in England. But um, yeah, and I yeah, you're right. That was uh, snowy. Uh, but again, it was a really really good batting wicket and it was pretty flat. So I think um, I think you might have lost a bit of interest after a while. Well, let's 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 move ahead to from 1975 to 2023, and the much anticipated England Australia series. Uh, what do you think of baseball? Uh, I yeah, I think it's a great, uh, some uh, fantastic um, method of playing a test match. Uh, you've got to have the cattle to be able to do it, um, not just anybody. But I think had had uh, any team tried to play that 
maybe 20, 30 years ago, um, they would have got um, laughed off the field and it wouldn't have worked. But players these days, having played so much either T20 or limited over, over cricket, they can do it nowadays. And it's just a matter of having a, a captain who's prepared to to do it uh, and to stick with it. So I, I think it's uh, I, I think it's wonderful. I, I'm interesting to see how how it's going to go. Um, if it doesn't, uh, if it's not successful in the first one or two test matches, whether it will continue. Um, I just find that uh, uh, whether the guys going to be able to continue batting the way they do against uh, Hazelwood, Cummings, and um, Stark. Or um, yeah, those those guys uh, on a wicket that might be doing a little bit. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that works. But the concept, I think it's great, um, and I think that um, the English captain is probably the right person to be putting it into practice um, because he's that he's that type of player himself, so he can do it. Um, but it's not wouldn't be every everybody's cup of tea, but uh, to be able to do it. But I think. Because of all the limited over and T20 cricket being played, that there are enough players to be able to to make it happen. Well, England won ten of their last twelve matches playing like this. But my next question, which you've already answered, really, was how do you think they will go against Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins, yep. Boland? Yep, yep, yeah. Look, I think that'll be the big test for this, and uh, I. I, I'm not quite sure whether they, the English side, will have um, sufficient uh, courage to be able to carry it through, unless they win an early Test match by doing it that way. If they do, then they'll, I think, they'll be encouraged to keep going. But the English press and the English people, being what they are and who they are. Um, I think they would find it very difficult to uh, not criticise the team if um, if they get uh, smashed in in the early test matches by playing that way. So it'll be interesting, Stephen, to see how that goes. Uh, and, uh, I, I I think that uh, at some point in time it'll work for them, um, but I can't see it working in five test matches. Um, there will be a time when it's not going to work and they're going to get smashed. So whether they'll have the courage to come back and do it again um, or whether they'll be allowed to by the English press and the English public um, remains to be seen. What do you think to the, the preparations of the Australian team? We talked about you know yourself when you were touring all those tour games and they're going to be arriving. They are going to play a highly competitive World Championship final against India, but no tour games at all. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a disadvantage. I mean, we were lucky, you know, back in the seventies. Um, you know, we played games against the counties, even though um, a lot of the counties wouldn't play their test players um, for obvious reasons. But even so, it was still good practice, um, much better than spending time in the nets. Um, so the more time that you actually spend out on the field playing against you know good good competition, 
then it's better than anything else. So these guys, I mean, it's just the way international cricket is these days. You just fly in, play your play your games, and fly out. So they just have to be um, attune themselves to doing that, and uh, hopefully, they'll, from our point of view, we'll get a good result in the Test match against India, um, which will you know, put them on the front foot. But um, yeah, look, the series against England is going to be going to be difficult um, without having played those other games, especially for players that haven't been to England before. And that's that's what I found was so I was so fortunate in '75. We had those lead up games, and we had the um, the World Cup to uh, get some idea of what English conditions were like. And as a former Australian test opener, are you confident that David Warner will do well? Uh, that's a tough question, Stephen. Um, I thought you were going to make questions easier. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not quite 100% sure that he'll be successful. I'm, I'm very confident that he'll play in the uh, championship test. Um He's only got to do reasonably well there, and he'd be in the Ashes series. Uh, I, it depends a bit on the weather, uh, on how well the um, the English bowlers, uh, whether they stay fit and whether they bowl well to him. If they don't, well, then he's going to have a good series. If they, if the weather is a bit cold and wet, uh, miserable, um, then I think he's going to struggle during the series. I think that's uh, most opening batsmen in England. If the weather's dull and cold and wet, uh, it's very difficult to uh, to have a good series. But, but I think he will do fairly well. <laughs> well, here's an easier question for you. As a again, as yep. a former opening batsman for Australia, how would yep. you how would you yep. fancy facing a forty year old Jimmy Anderson? Jimmy Anderson, yeah. Um, in in Australia, yes. Um, no, no problems there in England. Probably not. Um, not with the uh, Duke ball. Not unless you can um, t- say to me that we can provide a summer like 1975 for you, where the wickets are <clears throat> the flat. It's um, <clears throat> hot and dry. And uh, with Jimmy Anderson being 40, I'll be quite happy to uh, to bat against him then. But under his conditions, no thanks. Well, the action starts on the 16th of June at Edgbaston. Where will you be watching? You won't be downstairs on the mattress, will you? No, I won't be. Um, things have progressed a little bit since then. Um, but, um, yeah, look, I, I will be watching on te- on television um, in my lounge room. Um, probably have the fire on. And um, my wife will probably watch for a little while and then she'll go to bed. So. I'll have a nice, quiet evening um, watching the cricket. Um, trying to get through the first two sessions. Um, very unlikely to uh, to watch the last session. Well, you'll have the fire on, but sadly there won't be any Alan McGilvray on the commentary. No. That's no, a shame, isn't it? Um, but I'm sure somebody will provide some, uh, some you know, Good, um, good coverage for us. Um, but um, <clears throat> whoever it is, um, what we can do is we put the sound down anyway and just watch the action. Finally, a prediction from you. 
No, I know. <laughs> not five um, nil. <laughs> um, I could. Um, I'm not a a, a, a test off spinner uh, who is quite happy to predict five nil. I know. I understand what he's saying that you go into every test match assuming that you're going to win it and playing accordingly. But um, realistically, um, I could see Australia winning 2-1. Don't, don't ask me to predict which grounds they're going to win on or which they're going to lose on. Um, I predict 2-1 uh, to Australia. Right, okay. Uh, well, there's going to be two draws. It must be a wet summer then. Well, we've had a lot of rain already, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't, don't trust the English summer. Well, thank you very much, uh, Rick, for looking back at your Ashes test, and including one test that officially wasn't an Ashes test, but uh, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, uh, we'll forget that. And yeah, uh, right. thank you yeah. again for being on the paddock and the pavilion. No, okay. Thanks, Stephen. And uh, yeah, it's been hard work trying to recall back that far, but um, hopefully we did okay. I think you've got a good memory, actually. Well, there are some the good things you remember, the not so good things. Sometimes you remember as well, but you try to forget. But sometimes you can't. Well, you did well in the quiz anyway. So uh... thank you very much. Um, but I can very un- unfortunately remember the day Trent Bridge first day and dropped uh, Jeffrey Boycott at second slip, and uh, <clears throat> he went on to score a hundred, and Alan Knott got a hundred. England won that test match and um, Jeff Boycott went on to get another 100 in the Leeds test. And, um, yeah, that was bad memories. But on a, on a positive note to end, you made your test debut on the 4th of January 1975 at the Sydney Cricket Ground and you scored 80. Yep, thank you. Podcast Network.